Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, I'm Olympian Lolo Jones and I have a new podcast called Gold Medal Loser, presented by Discover Card. Everyone can relate to those loser moments in their life, especially when expectations are high. But here's the thing, not everyone overcomes hardships the same way. So I'll be talking to some of the most winningest people from all walks of life to learn their mentality behind their successes and failures. We'll be talking to athletes and celebrities to get their insight behind personal moments that represent the good, the bad, and the ugly. Plus, how they took these challenges and created a better version of themselves. So check this pod out because it's time to get real. Don't forget to subscribe to Gold Medal Loser on Apple, Spotify, and any preferred podcast platform. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think most of the guys like it, you know, to a certain extent. I think you know it's part of the charm of coming Does that to a baseball you? game. Does it motivate uh, you? I, you know, I, I I don't think it motivates me. You know, okay. one of my and I don't I know this is going to sound extremely arrogant, and I don't mean it in an arrogant way, but there is another really good quote, and is lions don't care about the opinion of sheep. And so when I'm on the on deck circle, you know, you paid money to watch me, so whatever. I am happy to be joined by Raul Shaw um, of the Pioneer League. Um, Raul, I'm so happy to have you on here. How's it going, man? Hey, thanks for having me. You know, yeah. I'm super excited to to be out here. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. And yeah, I'm stoked to be on this interview. I appreciate that for sure. Um, I was actually on a podcast yesterday and he was just asking me kind of how I got started. And I'm like, well, honestly, like baseball was gone. Um, baseball was just starting, I mean, and I wanted to be able to get more involved. I'm not a player. You are. And we'll talk about that. I'm sure in a second here, but I wanted an opportunity to try to make my mark in baseball, try to uh, make some sort of an imprint, you know, or even just have an opportunity to be in this situation where I'm talking to you, somebody who is aspiring to be uh, the first um, Indian uh, infield or position player in baseball. And that's, that's absolutely amazing. So I'm excited to get into your story. First, I got to know, I asked this question to everybody who's on my show. What got you into baseball? Um, was it a, a player um, or, a, you know, maybe your parents or a specific moment in baseball history? What got you in, in, excited about, about the sport of baseball? Yeah, I think it's a pretty uh, generic yet classic story. You know, my dad really introduced me to the game when I was, I think I was about six and we were living in Philadelphia at the time and he would always try to get me to watch Phillies games. And I always used to say, no, I didn't really have any interest in it. And then one day, I guess I caved and I started watching the game and I just got hooked and I would go in the backyard and we would play wiffle ball and play catch and basically do this every single day. And, you know, I think a lot of young boys start playing baseball because of their fathers. And so my story was no different. And I'm glad I I decided to cave and watch that game one day because who knows what I'd be doing if I didn't ever watch that game. So what was your reasoning to not want to watch baseball? Was it just you weren't interested or the sport um, before you kind of got into it didn't just seem as interesting as maybe other sports? Because I know um, baseball among youth is so so far so it's so inferior to like football or basketball i feel like i feel like baseball hasn't done a great job marketing to the youth what kind of what was your reasoning behind that well i think it's hard to remember just because it was so long ago but i i think for whatever reason as a kid i just didn't 
it didn't click with me immediately. I had to experience it. And once I did, you know, it's a whole different ball game. No, no pun intended. Right. And you really uh, start to appreciate it and you have a lot of fun doing it. And once you feel that sense of enjoyment, you know, as a kid, that's all it really takes. And as far as kids to that thing, playing more or less baseball, you know, I, I think there's some aspects of the game just intrinsically that make it challenging. I mean, for example, you know, if you're playing baseball, traditionally, you would need nine players. I mean, right. really, you need more unless one guy throws the whole game. But so that makes it challenging because you need such a large group of people to even really get the game going unless you uh, abbreviate it in some form of fashion. But other things, too, like you said, it's a more traditional game. Sometimes it's a little bit slower to change. But I think a lot of that's uh, definitely changing. You got a lot more excitement coming to the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at the salaries that Major League Baseball is, is paying to a lot of the players, I mean, I don't think that yeah. they're really hurting that much. You know, I think kids are still playing baseball. Maybe it's a little bit lower, but also sports go through up and down trends, you know, just kind of the natural flow of events. So I think it's fine. And I think a lot of kids are enjoying playing baseball and, and watching Good. it. And, you know, from when I was six to now, it's been no different for me. No, that's exciting to hear. And you're right. Baseball is in a really good position as overall as a sport. You just look at the millions and billions of dollars that they just um, gave out just in the past couple of weeks prior to this lockout that we're in currently. Um, so that's good. Was there a favorite position that you had growing up? Um, because I played only a couple seasons. I was a catcher in minor league, so I, I didn't really. And I think I was just kind of forced, like, you're the catcher kind of thing. It was yeah. like, like I'm, I was a good catcher, you know, I was, I was like six. Um, but that was kind of where they stuck me. Um, and then that's kind of where my career ended, so to speak. Um, growing up, like, was there a specific position player that you enjoyed watching and that's kind of why a certain area gravitated or you gravitated towards um what was your favorite position growing up yeah well i think first of all i think in regards to you playing catcher they probably put you there because you were really good i mean typically at that age the kids who can catch the ball are far less than the kids who can't catch the ball so they probably just you know vote of confidence that they put you there but um you know my favorite position growing up was shortstop And that's where I played all throughout until I started playing professional. I moved over to second base. You know, typically the way that they'll sign infielders is they try to sign three shortstops, but they take the guy who has the weakest arm and they move him to second base because his throw is shorter. And they take the guy who has the least range and they move him to third because half of his ground is cut off because there's a foul line. Although Mm -hmm. now it's a little bit different because a lot of third basemen play far off the line now. So they still Mm -hmm. have to have a lot of range, but in general, that was kind of the formula. And then you would leave the guy who has the most range and the strongest arm at shortstop. So, you know, you growing up as you start competing with more and more players, you know, you start to get around a lot of guys who have very great tools. So, you know, my tools, my range is great. My arm strength is average. And so I got slotted at second base. So I love playing second base. Uh, My favorite player growing up was Ichiro. So not even, you know, Really in the in, in the same, same position, uh, you yeah. know, yeah. So quite different. But uh, I never wanted to play outfield. You know, it's funny. I think even at a young age, I really like I could admire someone or something, but I also wanted to be different. I didn't just want to be like somebody outright. And so I I started playing shortstop because I liked it, not because I saw somebody else play it. And uh, I think you know part of it too is being an only child, so you get this. Uh, you get you get used to having attention. And so, you know, when you're the shortstop and you're a kid, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, you know, who's who's that guy? And they pay attention to him and you're involved mm-hmm. in a lot of plays. And I think that's also why I kind of gravitated towards that. Yeah. And there's some really good shortstops nowadays in the game. I mean, look at Tatis, who um, I guess like error wise, he isn't the most offensively prone, but he's such an incredible player. 
Um, and then we see all the shortstops that are on the market now. Seager just got a deal. Um, Correa is going to get himself a deal. Uh, there's just so much need for that up the middle defense. Um, that's incredible. You said, I like, I want to highlight something you said. You said you want it to be different as opposed to just kind of being someone else or kind of fitting in that mold. Um, so many times I feel like, and not just in baseball, like in life, you know, we want to try to fit ourselves into a different mold, try to categorize us ourselves by being like someone else or trying to, but you found your own lane. And I want to talk about that. So you went from shortstop to second base. Um, was that in, in college? When did you kind of make that switch? Yeah, that was my senior year of college that that really took an everyday uh, role. Okay. And it's been like that since then. Okay. And uh, where did you, where did you play in, in, in college? So uh, the school or the position? I'm oh, sorry. What, what school did you go to for college? So I, yeah. So I, uh, I played at Johns Hopkins university. I played all four years and it was an absolute blast. I have, you know, a wonderful coaching staff, uh, you know, great friends. And it was just, it was such a blessing. And, and the stadium is beautiful too. It's actually right downtown. You have a nice, uh, you know, back sky, uh, skyline uh, backdrop. And yeah, it was just uh, a, a wonderful environment. Awesome. Um, were you, I know a lot of players sometimes aren't so apt to switching positions. Were you at first when they told you that, were you kind of taken aback by it or were you willing to do it more so just because, you know, uh, coaches, they know better, right? They have, they know, they want to do what's best for the team as well as for you. Um, what was your attitude? Because um, I've seen like professional players who have had been told to switch positions and like their whole attitude is just different. Like, they're they're yeah. so opposed to it. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I would be lying if I said that originally when it was proposed to me, it wasn't like, hey, why can't I, you know, I think I'm best here. But, you know, I think things happen for a reason, number one. And, you know, every player is different. Some players are, they take pride in being able to play six different positions. Some guys, they say, hey, look, why would I move? Why would I even play two if I'm the best at one? Mm -hmm. You know, so, it, you know, people's mentalities uh, differ. But everything that, one thing that makes, you know, a good athlete is their ability to adapt. And so, you know, you know, maybe you have some sort of amount of time where you're you're coming to terms with it but ultimately say hey look you know what if this is how it's going to be then i got to be the best at this you know yeah. i have i'm going to change from this position to this position i got to figure it out and i got to be really good and the reality is you know when you're switching from short to second at the college level it's not a huge difference but once you start getting up to higher levels it becomes a big difference because the game speeds up so much so you know it's really a blessing in disguise because, you know, again, like I said, if you have an average arm to play shortstop, you can do it. There's no question, but it becomes much more complicated because you really have to nail down your footwork. You have mm -hmm. to nail down your positioning and you have to really nail down your reads and your quickness to sort of make up for that lost time that the ball is moving slower through the air. But, you know, it all depends on your attitude. If you think you can't do something, well, then you're not going to do it well. And if you think that, hey, you can do something, then you'll do it well. So if you have to switch positions, you just have to practice, trust yourself, all those you know, basic things and, and you'll do great. And coaches sometimes know best and sometimes they don't. I mean, coaches just like players are biased. You know, a player might think he's sure. really good at a position and he's not. A coach might think that somebody else is really good at a position because they like them more. I mean, well, you know, people are not perfect, but in general, you know, when you work together with your coach and you guys have communication, you say, hey, look, this is why I think I'm the best. Or they say, hey, this is why I think that you're not the best at this position. You can kind of hash out the details um, and come up with a plan rather than one person just kind of using their own judgment. Mm, awesome. I like how you said that as well. Like 
like I feel like this is like almost a life lesson too. <laughs> just your yeah. whole attitude about about everything, because um, change um, happens in life, and like we're, we're I feel like we're a country that's kind of opposed to change at times. Um, but just having that mindset of you know what, if you think you can do it, then there's gonna be a better chance that you will, as opposed to if you have that attitude of where I'm not gonna be able to succeed, um, then then there's a good chance you won't succeed. Um, and that yeah, applies I think, to like, everything in life, really. Yeah, I think a lot of people. You know, I think the irony of limitations is that they exist in the minds of people who put them in their minds. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you go out throughout life and you think that you're not possible, it's not possible to do something or it's just unachievable. Well, then that's kind of a limitation that you have placed on yourself that ultimately will probably manifest itself in real life. But if you go out, walk through life and think, oh, I can do this and that and I can have everything, you know, maybe you don't get everything, but you're going to get a lot more than somebody who thinks that they can't get anything. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think you I think when you take that mentality, there's there's nothing off the table, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is possible. And you combine that with what I said earlier with, you know, you want to be different. Right. There's mm -hmm. a really uh, good quote that I like, and it's you were born an original, don't die a copy. Mm -hmm. And I think when you combine those two elements, not believing in limitations and also being an individual, you know, you can really special things start to happen in whatever it is that you're doing, not just baseball. That's incredible. I love that. That's a great quote. Um, can you say that one more time? It's you were born. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the quote is you were born an original. Don't die a copy. That's incredible. Yeah. And like I said, that can be applied to um, all areas of life, especially in baseball and sports, but especially everywhere every aspect of, of life in general okay so let's let's kind of go backtrack a little bit so you you grew up in in philly yeah so i was actually oh. born in in london england and okay. we lived there for a couple of years and then we moved to philly and uh, now i live in right outside baltimore maryland and i've okay. been here since about fifth grade and i consider this my hometown sure sure okay um so your dad was a phillies fan i'm sure he was a diehard Phillies fans his Phillies were really <laughs> for a stress they were one of the best teams in baseball for a, a bit there uh, probably right around the time you were just kind of getting into baseball I would assume um what was that your is that your team that you cheer for throughout your high school just kind of based on your parents fandom um or did you kind of gravitate toward a different team I know you said you were an Ichiro fan um and, and at the time he played for the Mariners uh, were, was that kind of the team that you enjoyed watching or were you still a Phillies fan you just kind of um, just appreciated the sport that uh, in the game that he played. Yeah, I grew up a Phillies fan when I was a kid. We lived there, and you know, we would go to. Uh, it used to be called Veteran Stadium, and so we used yeah. to go there and and watch Phillies games. And you know, around I would say, yeah, maybe like two thousand three, two thousand four. I was getting a little bit. Uh, I, was, I don't know how old. Maybe I was like uh, nine or eight or nine or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I started to watch Ichiro play, and he almost instantly became my favorite player. I mean, I idolized Ichiro as a kid. I still idolize him. And that's how I became a Mariners fan. So really for the majority of my, my playing career, I'd say I've been a Mariners fan. Okay. And uh, I used to watch all of the games every single night. I mean, I got all of Ichiro's stats memorized. Um, so yeah, Mariners, I would say would, would have been, you know, would be my team. That's awesome. And it's, it's awesome, but it's also hard because that team has not been to the postseason in so yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know for fans of teams, cause I've been a fan of, like, so it's funny cause, so I grew up in California and, um, I, my, my parents were diehard A's fans. Um, my dad's born in Puerto Rico. Um, so baseball was just like their number one thing. It's extra, it's their passion. 
Um, and there's a ton of great Puerto Rican players and Latin players in the league now. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, Yeah. And that's just how my dad was. He played a little bit and when he was growing up, he never really advanced far. Um, but, but he enjoyed it and he enjoys the game to this, to this day. And he can tell you, you talk about each row stats. He could tell you stats for like everybody. Like he knows it all. Like it's all (laughs) in his head. And so like growing up, we were diehard ace fans, season ticket holders. We would go every summer. My dad would take us out of school on like on Wednesdays because they used to have these like dollar hot dog Wednesdays. And you go there for a dollar, you get a hot dog and a drink or something. Yeah. We sit in the bleachers. And I can remember as early as, man, I was probably like seven, eight years old to going to the stadium with my dad and then just being like enamored with like the mascot stomper, the, the, the elephant. And so I would just beg my dad, like, let's just go follow Stomper around. So for and my dad was like, you know, he wanted to, me to appreciate the game. So, and he was he would wear like the headset to listen to the radio while watching the game and like take notes. Yeah. He was like that kind of fan. But every once in a while, he like, OK, we'll go walk around uh, and we'll go find Stomper. Try to take a picture of that, you know, with your old like cameras. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was like my earliest moments was just chasing Stomper around. And then as I got older, like the players, I really started. It was around the era, era of like the big three uh in basement in, in moneyball era in, in oakland so they had some really good teams and then they had some really not so good teams but for me like growing up i loved watching eric chavez play like his third base i felt like he was like the smoothest third baseman yeah. ever player. um and i just thought like wow and like me and my sisters uh we would play like baseball in the inner grass right and i would pretend to be eric chavez and do the spins and like, everything you know yeah um he was he's one of the reasons i really got me as like a kid wanted to play just because like i loved watching him play and then there was also miguel tejada who was slick at 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 shortstop um and then they had they had a ton of good players on the team and then they had the pitching with like zito and mark uh mark Mulder or hudson mark Mulder and all those guys so that's kind of what just gravitated me to baseball uh, and in A's, and then I moved to to Milwaukee, to not Milwaukee, to Madison area about five five six years ago. So now I I, I still watch every A's game, uh, at least at least a hundred and like fifty of them. Like I yeah. love the ba- game the game of baseball. I watch every Brewers game now, and so I talk about the Brewers mostly in my podcast, but I'll cover every team because like I watch every every team play. Like I love I've I've started to become more of a of a, a, a of a specific player versus like a team in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like watching all these different teams because there's so many, so much young talent, right? Um, so all that to say, yeah, like, that was kind of my 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 as a kid, like my memories. Like, was there any like memories for you as a kid? Maybe a favorite moment um, as a kid with your parents or family um, at the game that you can just still remember? Because I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, it's funny. I, I've been asked that before, like if I have any favorite memories, if I can pick out whether that's from a sure. kid or maybe even from, from when I got older. And I don't know if you've ever seen The Office. Oh, but, um, who hasn't? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I'm glad. I guess there's some people that haven't out there, um, which which if you haven't, you should watch it. But um, yeah. there's a scene and uh, in the show, and it's Michael and Dwight are sitting next to each other in the car, and they're outside of, I think, the CFO's house. And they're trying to get him to not close their branch. I don't know if you mm-hmm. if you remember yep, this yep. episode. And and Dwight asked Michael what his favorite uh, memory was, you know, from the office or his favorite moments were. And he takes a second to think about it, and he replies to Dwight, and he says, "All of them." Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. You know, I, it's so hard to pick a particular moment that it, they're just they've all been 
really, really special. And I know that people might roll their eyes and they might say, oh, come on, there's got to be something that stands out. And, you know, I, I can't pick a particular game. I mean, just going, having the experience of going to, let's say, travel ball games as a kid and you're hanging out in the hotel and you're, you're playing games and, uh, you know, you got all the parents there supporting you or it can be in high school when you, uh, you know, get your first high school hit or mm -hmm. college when you clinch your first regionals or get to the College World Series or you sign a professional. I mean, they, they all have equal significance in my life. That's crazy. No, that's good. Um, <coughs> sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And it, it is it's cliche, but it's true, though, right? Because I mean, I think back, I don't think I've ever had a negative moment in in terms of sports, like being a fan, except when a team loses. Mm -hmm. um, I can remember every like major league loss that I've been to or that I've watched. Um, and I feel like those kind of burn in my memory more than like the good times that I've been to. But the overall experience I, i've never had a bad experience at a game like i feel like when you go to a game like especially baseball um i i feel like it's just kind of relaxing like for me it's it's very mm -hmm. um enjoyable like there's no it's it's a really good it's a it's a very fun atmosphere i feel like a baseball game and it's it's yeah. it's wild but it's sort of peaceful at least to me in a weird way um so i get that for sure <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think you also hit something, hit the nail on the head. You had to, I think you said that uh, some of the losses would, would burn in your memory a little bit more. Yeah. And I think as you know, a competitor, that's undoubtedly true. And I think also just as a human being, it's true. I think people tend to focus or put a little bit more, you know, waiting on negative events than positive events. And that's something that you kind of have to undo when you're playing the game of baseball, because you're mostly going to have negative events. But I mean, if you're looking at the game in a, in a black and white sense, if you get a hit or you get out, you know, you're going to get out the vast majority of the time, right. you know, so you have to really have a, a good mental state where you're able to bounce back very quickly and not place so much weight on the negatives. You know, if, you know, if you could place, you know, a hundred percent weight on a good at bat and maybe 10% on a bad at bat, you know, you're going to be in a positive state of balance. And so, you know, you try to just always believe in yourself and, and things like that, but you're right. Sometimes it's as a competitor in human nature, it becomes difficult. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the mental side real quick. Um, I like how you mentioned that. Is there a, and baseball is in like sports in general, it's a big mental game. You talk about some players who maybe get like the yips or they get more in the mental side of things and they seemingly forget how to throw a ball to first base or uh, they just can't get hits and stuff like that. Um, what, what do you do? Or is there, do you have anything, any methods or a way to try to um, avoid, you know, the high highs and then the low lows? Cause like you said, you're going to strike out more than you get hits in baseball. Mm -hmm. um, how do you kind of balance that? So where you're not feeling like, um, every time you, you strike out or every time you make an error or every time you make an out, like you're just not like, you know, the, the failure aspect of it. How do you kind of maintain that balance? So your mental state is, is healthy. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I, I disagree with a lot of people who say you shouldn't have, you know, high highs. Yeah. I think people say that, well, you don't want to have low lows and I agree with that, but the high highs are what you play for. You know I mean? Sure. That's, you know, that's the whole, you, when you're riding that wave, I mean, you're unstoppable. So when you're in that moment or in that zone and you're having, uh, you know, that string of games where you're just killing it, you, you want to hold on to that. You want to grab that and you want to keep it. You don't want to just, you know, try to bring yourself back down. Enjoy that and, you know, ride that as long as you can. But as far as being in a good state, you know, it shows up when you get to the ballpark. You know, I like to actually, 
And I think baseball is different in this regard than other sports. I think in baseball, the more you try to get angry, the worse you play. You know, in basketball and football, because it's a more physical sport, the more aggressive you are, the more anger you kind of, you know, bring out of yourself. I think that that can actually make a huge impact in your game. With baseball, it's not like that because you start to press. You start to think, I have to get a hit mm-hmm. this at that. I have to catch this ball. I have to make this play. And that's when you start making mistakes because really what you're doing is you're placing a lot of emphasis on what other people around you have in terms of expectations of yourself. So when you go up to the bat and you're thinking, I got to get a hit, you're not thinking in terms of the right mentality, which is your approach at the play. You're thinking, okay, if I don't get a hit, someone's going to get mad at me, or I have to get a hit to prove to my coach that I'm good. That's going to set you up for failure. So what I like to do is I actually like to think about non-baseball stuff when I'm playing. And and this, this is a Raul shot original here. I mean, I don't, right. I haven't heard anybody talk about this when I'm out in the field, let's say I'm playing second base and you know, the game's going on. I'm actually not really thinking a lot about specifics of the game. I'm thinking about, man, I can't wait to go home and, and eat this uh, meal that I cooked. I can't wait to, you know, uh, maybe play some video games. I can't wait to maybe, you know, the next day get my workout in, or I can't wait to get a good night's sleep or talk to my friends. I'm thinking about that because the irony is just a lot of people say, well, you're not focusing on the game. Look, once you play the game long enough, everything becomes very intuitive. I don't have to sit there and think, okay, I got to turn a double play here. I know if there's a guy on first with less than two outs, I got to turn a double play. Mm-hmm. So I want to be in a happy state of mind. So what brings me joy? Well, I like talking to friends. I like eating out. I like playing video games. So I, you know, I think about that stuff during the game, and it relaxes you so much, and it, it allows you to really free up your mind and just play the way that you normally yeah. play. You know, if you just trust yourself more, you'll play a lot better than. You know, if you're constantly trying to analyze every single little thing in the middle of a game, because like I said, it's different from other sports. It's slower pace. There's not a lot of physical contact, you know, so you just want to make sure that you're happy when you're playing. You know, I try to treat my in season. I try to treat it like a vacation. You know, off season is like when I'm going to work. That's when I'm slaving away at track and at the gym and at baseball practice. I'm beating my body up. But once I'm in season, I take the foot off the pedal. I show up every day and just play like I'm six years old again. That's awesome. I love hearing that. And I feel like uh, people who are listening to this, um, whether they're fans or maybe someone who's uh, someone who's hoping to get into the game or in the game currently uh, can just listen to what you say, because I feel like that's so important. Um, And I'm glad you kind of touched on that. Like you said it way better than I could since you're in the in the game yourself. Um, Wow, that's incredible. Um, If you are watching this on YouTube, just a quick plug here, go ahead and press that subscribe button, click the like button. It does allow other people to see this content that I am am putting out here. Um, Again, I am in here uh, speaking with Raul Shaw uh, of the, um, not in Pioneer League. (laughs) Again, I'm here with Raul Shaw (laughs) of the Pioneer League um, in, in, um, let's talk about your career post-college. Okay. So you graduated in, in 16? Yes. So, okay. Um, and I'm looking at your 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 uh, accolades here. Three time All Star in, in in the Independent League, um, in the Empire League, uh, batting title in 18, Slugger of the Year award in 18, uh, leader in career triples in 17 and nine, through 19. Uh, you won a championship in 2017, uh, 2020. Um, talk about your career from college to kind of where it is now, and and where you kind of hope to go. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, interesting because I think in, uh, yeah, after college, you know, I, I, I wanted to play in the minor leagues. And, you know, I started playing, I, I didn't know really what, you know, Major League Baseball's partner leagues were. I always thought, okay, you, you get drafted, you sign as a free agent, you get to the minors. 
And, um, you know, when I figured out, okay, I could actually take this path and, and get to the big leagues too. I said, okay, well, let's do it. And really there's no difference. If you look at a partner league team or minor league team, it's, it's really the same. Most of the guys are players who are released from the minor leagues. Minor leagues have a high rate of turnover. So you have lots of players kind of changing mm -hmm. hands every year. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, maybe uh, they don't perform that well. Maybe they get in trouble. Maybe they're, you know, there are all kinds of reasons, but they're still really young and still really good players. So there's really not a huge differentiation between the mm -hmm. two leagues. And so I said, okay, well, look, let me show up and let me, you know, take my work ethic and and we'll see how how far I can take this thing. And you know, I've, I've had a wonderful career, like you, you mentioned those accolades. And, um, you know, I was a player who I was good at a lot of things, but I wasn't particularly great at anything. So, for example, I have good power. I don't have great power. I've got good foot speed. I don't have great foot speed. Um, I've got good quickness. I don't have great quickness. But what that really made me do is focus on skill. And that has taken me far beyond what talent could have ever taken me. And, you know, it's funny because I play with pretty much all guys who are in the minor leagues at some point, maybe double A, triple A. I mean, some guys are in the big leagues and now they play, you know, in the partner leagues. And you look at my stats and how I rank up. I mean, I'm beating all these guys. You know, that's, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, the D3 right. guys are supposed to show up and beat everybody else. But you realize when you actually believe in yourself and you, you put so much time and effort into improving your skills, which is something you can control. Mm -hmm. You run circles around these clowns. You know, you got guys showing up, don't do anything in the off season. They think that they're going to compete with me. That's not going to happen. You have to realize that like, you've got thousands and thousands of people that will want to be in these shoes every single day. You have to outwork those guys. Otherwise someone's just going to take your spot. You know, when I was playing this season with the Raptors, our manager, he would show us his phone. He would get, and this is not even an exaggeration, over mm -hmm. a hundred messages from scouts or coaches or players asking for you know a spot for somebody whether for themselves or somebody else hundred over a hundred every single day wow you have so many people trying to compete that if you don't put 110 percent into everything you're going to be out the door in you know a day yeah and that's again that's another like a life lesson like you, if the effort that you put into it is, is going to show um and you talk about hundreds of people every day trying to get your spot if you look at it that way right like how can you not work hard knowing that there are so many people who would just do whatever they could to be in the position you are in currently um on the team that you are on uh, yeah they're coming you can hear them i mean yeah. they're they're right behind you they're not they're banging on the door they're trying yeah. to get in and if you get caught slipping you know you take one off season off you're done you know it's going to be over and i take a lot of pride in being a division three player and setting these records and leading the league and hitting and, 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 you know, doing all the things that I do, because it's like, I shouldn't be doing that. Right. You guys are supposed to be way better than me. Who I'm a nobody. Who am I? What am I just some kid from a, you know, a, a division three squad I didn't play, you know, double a with the twins or, or in the big leagues with, with the, why am I, you know, outworking you, you know, mm -hmm. I can understand, for example, like if, if someone was playing better than me because they were more talented, you know, okay, fine. But, Work ethic is something we can both control. So how is it that if you're in double A and I haven't had that a taste of that yet, how can I pass? How could you let me outwork you? I can guarantee this. If I was in double A tomorrow, there wouldn't be a single player who would outwork me. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. And I, I appreciate, I really do appreciate your your work ethic and the, and the effort that you put in. Um, and I, I, and like that could be relatable to any 
aspect of life. Like just always know that you always got to keep hustling. You got to keep grinding. Um, never get complacent, especially in sports. Because if you get complacent in sports, you just talked about it. Someone's going to be up there in a heartbeat in your in your spot the next day, you know, waiting to to take your spot there. Um, so I, I do appreciate your, your work ethic. So talk to me now about what is the goal? Your goal, you, we talked about earlier, is you want to be the first Indian um, infielder, correct, or position player? I want to get to the big leagues, you know, yeah. and when I do, you know, I, I believe that I'd be the first Indian uh, player in the major league, in major league history. I think I'd be the first position player in minor league history okay. um, from what I see, but it's not necessarily about that. It's not about, you know, I want to, you know, uh, break some sort of barrier. What I want to do is do what I've been put on this earth to do, which sure. is play baseball. And yeah, the goal is to get to the big leagues and, you know, if we keep playing really well, we're going to do it. And right. I don't see why any reason, you know, knock on wood, as long as, yep. you know, I've got my health and, and God graces me with opportunity. I don't see any reason why that's not going to happen. And, you know, I've been banging on this door now for a few years. I've been doing extremely well. And as long as I keep doing that, as long as I keep working really hard, as long as I keep performing to the excellent standard that I have been, you know, I think it's only a matter of time and we'll be in a big league uniform and, and we'll do this interview again when that happens. Absolutely. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, I would definitely have to watch you play uh, if you ever come out here somewhere in the Midwest. I can, Absolutely. I can drive out toward. Um, so have you have you been in contact with like scouts or how does that work now that you're in the um, you're in the, the Pioneer League and you're kind of in it's a in, in partnership with MLB um, and it's it's not the minors, but it's a partnership. How does it how does that work out? Like can can players or can teams then sign you or do they how does how does that all work and what is your kind of like plan or hopes to happen in the next year or two here. Yeah. So typically in the minors, you have, like I said, that turnover rate and you get vacancies right. that, that show up. And so a lot of times scouts will go and say, okay, who's, who's playing well in these partner leagues and let's purchase their contract. And once they do, you know, they'll sign them and they'll put them uh, in that affiliate where they, they might need a player. And so that's the goal for any player in one of the partner leagues is, Hey, you know what? You play really well, you stand out and, you know, opportunities come every year. I mean, if I had to guess off the top of my head and I haven't counted this, but, sure. you know, just kind of casually looking, I mean, I would guess that 50, 7,500 players, somewhere in that range, every single season wow. are getting signed into the minor league. So mm -hmm. a lot of players are getting signed. You just have to perform really well. Um, and again, it also varies by position. So out of that, let's just call it a hundred, for example, hypothetically, you know, the majority would be pitchers. So maybe right, 60, right out of that hundred would be pitchers, but you're still looking at 40 position players, which is kind of a lot because there's not a lot of partner league teams. I mean, you're talking about, you know, four leagues that have, uh, you know, some, I don't even think some teams have 10 teams in the league. So there's not a lot of teams. Um, so, you know, the opportunity to stand out is, is, is right there for the taking. Wow. And I, and I hope you do. And I, I hope you not just because, so you're the first uh, Indian position player in the minors and the majors, but for you as a player, because like, as a person, the, the work ethic that you put in, I, I love to see that kind of work rewarded. Uh, so I, I really do hope you're, you you get your dream to make that next step. I hope it happens soon. Um, and again, yeah, once it happens, you're going to definitely have to come on. We'll talk about that as well. Um, I kind of want to touch base on one thing. We kind of talked about before we hit record here. Um, and I, I had mentioned earlier that baseball is a kind of a post to change. Um, our country is very polarized at this moment and it also kind of, not always up to change as well. Um, and you want, you want it to be the first Indian minor leaguer and you're, there's not, I mean, are there a ton of Indian baseball players? I, I don't know like the statistics and like the stats and all that, but. Um, yeah. I, 
I, I don't know if there are, are a lot. I haven't particularly looked at that. I think it depends on what area you live in. Sure. Uh, I live uh, in, it's called Ellicott City, Maryland. It's you know, a lot of people that live in this area. It's really diverse. Actually, my school yeah. was, I mean, we had, we had people from uh, Korea and China and India, uh, a lot of Hispanic countries too, Latin American countries. So it was an extremely diverse school. And I think if you pulled this environment, you would see a lot of Indian kids that play baseball. If you went to a different place, you know, maybe you wouldn't see any. So I don't know off the top of my head. I, I think baseball, um, you know, I think it appeals to people as, as Americans, sure. you know? And so I, I think that a lot of kids play regardless, uh, you know, of, of where maybe their, their parents were from. And I don't see that stopping anytime soon. No, I, and I, I'm so glad to hear that. I love that, especially um, as a minority myself, a Latin player or a Latin person. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, but with that being said, through your journey, has that ever come up or been an issue where uh, maybe fans in certain areas of the country have not been as open to seeing um, players who look a little bit different than like the, the average player? Or um, has that ever been like a hindrance in your your professional career? Yeah, I, well, I've never faced any discrimination or racism or anything like that. I mean, everyone's been always great to me and, and, and fair. And, and, you know, I've I love America. I became an American citizen a few years ago. And awesome. you know, I think it's the greatest country on earth. And I'm really honored to be living in here. And, you know, it's funny that you, you, you mentioned fans, because like I said, no one's ever really, you know, uh, discriminated against me at all. But there have been a couple of times and I don't think that these you know, I think that they were probably just drunk and they're at a ball game or whatever. But there have been a couple of times we were playing uh, in a way series in Montana. Now we had we went to two separate places. There was a team in Great Falls, Montana, and then there was a, a team in Missoula, Montana. And, you know, they I would hear some questionable things, you know, when you're in, in the on deck circle, you know, especially because, you know, the fans don't get right up to the, the netting. And, oh, yeah. and when oh, you're yeah. on the on deck circle, you're right next to them. And so they'll they'll say some things. But again, you know, I, you just chalk it up to, you know, they're they're drunk at a game and, you know, they're probably saying some some things that in, in their minds, they think it, it's funny at the time. Um, but, you know, most players, you know, no one really ever takes it personally. Um, there was actually one instance, and this had nothing to do with me, but there was there was a fan who was making fun of one of the players' mothers and saying all kinds of, like, horrible things. And yeah. actually, the opposing catcher had stopped the game. He called time, turned around, looked at the fan, and told him, I'm not going to curse on your podcast, but he, 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 he lit him up. And so, and that fan stopped talking for the rest of the game. So, wow. you know, a lot of the players you know, were on opposing teams, you know, we, we have each other's backs, you know, we were going through the same thing. So we understand what it's like. And there's that sense of camaraderie between us. Wow. Good. Good for, good for that catcher. And, uh, and yeah, fans, um, especially in baseball games and in sports games, and especially, you know, once like they start drinking and kind of get in the moment, like we fans say so much stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that that hasn't been an issue necessarily for you. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I will say something funny, too. Sure, there was, sure. uh, I saw this tweet. It was years ago. I don't know who put it out, but I thought it was hysterical. And I guess he was probably a minor league player. And he said that he thinks that uh, all minor league players should be given one day of the year, their own holiday, where they're allowed to go into all offices and heckle <laughs> people who sit at their desks and tell them that they'll never make it to corporate and to start busing, you know, to start working yeah. harder. And I just thought that was so funny because it's kind of true because you, when you show up to the ballpark, you know, you, you have a license to basically say whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so I, and, and again, it doesn't bother me or anything like that. I think it's a, a really great part of the game and I don't want it to change, but I just thought the tweet was really funny that you, you know, one day you kind of, you know, flip the table and, and do it to them instead and see how they like it. 
That's incredible. Um, yeah, I think y'all should get that day. You guys might need a week, a week at <laughs> yeah, least. Yeah, a week at one week. Tra- yeah, yeah. A week, a weekend, week just to be able to get you know travel to the corporate places and and get in their faces and yell and <laughs> kind of give them a little taste of that because fans and I've I've been on that side as a fan myself. Like we we say all these things, um, and I don't. I'm not really like a big yeller at, at games, but like you think about it, even in your head, like oh come on, like you play better, do this, but like we got to remember that you guys are people too um and you wouldn't i wouldn't want someone coming to my job sitting next to me while i'm on the phone yelling like (laughs) do better call better talk better on the phone and you know it's right you know what i'm saying so like i feel like if we kind of put put ourselves in your shoes and that's a great way to kind of like visualize it i guess um that yeah we're all just we're all people you have a job i have a job and like let just let, (laughs) let everybody do their job in peace yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I think most of the guys like it, you know, to a certain extent. I think you know it's part of the charm of coming Does that to a baseball you? game. Does it motivate I, you? I, you know, I, I I don't think it motivates me. You know, okay. one of my and I don't I know this is going to sound extremely arrogant, and I don't mean it in an arrogant way, but there is another really good quote, and is lions don't care about the opinion of sheep. And so when I'm That's on true. the on deck circle, you know, you paid money to watch me, so whatever. Yeah, I don't have anything. I'm not going to say anything bad if you say something bad to me because in a way i'm losing right it's like if let's say somebody who's um you know what's that other saying it's it's never argue with the fool because they'll drag you down to their level you with experience so when you kind of give something that's clearly not meant to be serious when you give it significance by acknowledging it you've kind of Mm -hmm. lost that battle but when you ignore it i mean you really get under some of these people's skins because they want you to turn and say something you know, and so they keep upping the intensity of what they're mm-hmm, saying. Mm-hmm. But if you just don't turn around, I mean, they leave really deflated. And that's a win to me. So I don't really ever acknowledge it or pay much attention to it. And that's awesome. You're you're better than most a lot of people think, because I feel like um, not in just sports, but in life in general, people, it's hard just to kind of turn a blind eye or ear to what people are saying. But uh, I do, I do appreciate you you saying that, and you, you're so full of quotes. Like I love that. Like you're... yeah, I don't know where this came from. Actually, I guess this is just years of uh, memorizing this stuff. I, I I don't speak like this in normal life, but apparently, you know, you just you know, with this podcast, it brought out all these. I'm like a walking, uh, you know, quote machine. Yeah, I was. Like, you mentioned um, you game. Uh, we'll, we'll end on this. What what kind of games do you play, uh, and what do you do when you're not grinding? Because I know you work hard. So what do you do in your free time whenever you you get a shot at free time? Yeah, free time. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like video games. Um, I would like to get one of the new consoles if, you know, they ever are available, which who knows if they will be. <laughs> but um, I mostly play like AAA titles. Like I'll play Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed or Grand Theft Auto. I kind of just basically stick to those. I have a rather short attention span. So I, I might game for like an hour and then I'm kind of like, okay, I want to do something else. But I like sure. those three titles. Um, you know, I've got an Xbox. I probably would get the Xbox uh you know the, the new one i don't think i'd get a ps5 but i like video games you know you like hanging out with your friends listening to music my favorite genre is rap but i grew up listening to a lot of uh hard rock music too and i'm trying to think what else do i like to do outside of baseball it's a good question um <laughs> i do actually write articles online about stocks a lot of people oh, okay. uh, they might not know that there's a website called seeking alpha and so you know i was an econ and finance major uh, i bought my first stock when i was 19 and so you know i i, I write online uh, about different stocks that I think are undervalued and I go through their finances. And um, so that's another hobby that I have too. But, you know, baseball has always taken up most of uh, my life and I pretty much sacrificed everything for it. Although I don't really view it as a sacrifice because I love playing the game. But um, yeah, that that's, I don't know, that's probably the, I guess, the things I like to do outside of the game, you know, hang with friends, play video games, go out to eat, uh, you know, look look up uh, 
uh, stocks and things like that. That's awesome. I'm going to have to get your gamer tag and play some Call of Duty at some point. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, without question, we'll do it. For sure. Hey, I want to appreciate you coming on Raw. Um, I I love talking to baseball players. I love talking to people in general. And like I said, this podcast that I do, it's just been a huge like blessing for me just to be able to kind of out branch out and meet more players, more people who are involved in the game. Uh, so I do want to appreciate you you uh, taking the time to come on. I know uh, you're a busy man. You got a ton of work that you do. Um, or you're always always grinding, always working hard. So I do appreciate you taking a few moments of your time to to talk to me. And uh, I do appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it, it was an honor to be on this podcast. I love the work that you do and, you know, keep it up. And, you know, I can't wait to see you obviously grow bigger and bigger with your audience yeah. and, and continue to elevate your game as well. And yeah, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. For sure. I mean, um, you have a great rest of your day, right? All right. You too. Take care. All right. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day -day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. All right. Hey, thanks for coming. There's no better time to go for a huge score than during the big game. And BetMGM is giving you a good chance to win big on your first bet. Simply download the BetMGM app and place a $10 money line wager on Pro Football's grand finale. If either team scores a touchdown, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. Just use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. The opportunities for celebration don't stop after a champion is crowned. Try BetMGM's innovative parlay selection features, boosted odds specials, daily promotions, 
predictions, and more on all your favorite sports. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you sign up. Then place a money line bet on the big game and you'll win $200 in free bets if either team scores a TD during the showdown. Now you're winning with the king of sports books. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.